Hey guys, this is John. Welcome to Lather Talk, a wet shaving podcast. In today's episode, we have special guest Sri Ram, the man behind Holy Cow, maker of men's shaving goods, skincare, and more. Sri and I will talk about how his interest in cooking led to some interesting developments in soap making and touch upon the topic of skincare and how it plays a role in the future of the company. Unfortunately, my regular co-host Gerard couldn't make it this episode due to scheduling conflicts. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sri, and now, on to the episode. Thank you so much for your time um, on a Friday night <laughs> to get together <laughs> to talk with me. And um, so one thing I always like to ask our guests uh, is how they got into wet shaving in the first place. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, pretty much honored to be a guest on, the sh- on your show, on your podcast. I'm doing it for the first time. So apologies if I, you know, <laughs> mess up or something. But um, thanks for having me, both you and Gerard. So wet shaving, a couple of things. So number one, of course, you know, due to my genetics, I have this, you know, hard beard kind of thing. I have this, uh, you know, 5 p.m. shadow at 3 p.m. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it's always like, you know, itchy and, uh, you know, and I always keep scratching in meetings like this and kind of like I tried everything. You know, I was, of course, a cartridge shaver because that's all I knew, right? And then I tried a electric trimmer, nothing worked, nothing. It's always this, you know, 3 p.m. I start scratching my face. So that's, that's one thing wherein I, I was always trying to find, hey, what, how, how can I improve my shave? And of course, I stumbled upon Reddit, uh, the wet shaving community at that time. I think it was called, I don't know what it was called. Maybe it's, it was the Wicked Edge days, I think. But uh, stumbled upon that and uh, got to know the tips and tricks and, uh, and, and started along that path with the DE from Amazon, you know, the usual stuff. But, um, but then again, I found the, the product quality, the hardware and the software is not that great. And then I said, hey, uh, let me also try to do uh, my own thing. And that's how the whole thing started too. So, but wet shaving as such is on that. And the second part of the wet shaving is also, I found that, you know, by, you know, because of course, you know, being close to New York, you always want to catch the early morning train. So I always in a rush. And then I found that, you know, by just doing this type of shaving, which I didn't even know it was called wet shaving during that time, I'm actually slowing down in my morning routine. Um, you know, getting up even 15 minutes early to just to do this, it was almost like a life-changing moment saying that, hey, I'm getting up 15 minutes earlier to do this. You know, the shaving thing, I can't tell anyone, right? <laughs> if I tell someone, you know, they will probably think I'm weird. Um, so that I found very, very calming and very relaxing. It also, you know, gave me those shower thoughts, you know, what you, the positive thought that you get when you're standing in the shower, same experience I got, like a Zen experience. And then I said, hey, this is really good. You know, this is really calming me down, less stressful. And I'm getting up, you know, 15 minutes early, which is not that bad. It's not like, you know, you get up one hour early or anything. So it's actually slowed me down and this, this, and the act of slowing down in the mornings made me much more calmer and less stressful. And that's how and I got into this whole the wet shaving thingy. Uh, and of course, you know, the result of that is, you know, better skin, better outcome, no, you know, itchiness at 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. And then, of course, I discovered how many passes to do. And if I have a late night dinner meeting or, you know, anything that I need to stay up in front of others or, you know, business meeting, then of course I do three pass and then I don't have any of this issue. No redness, no razor burn, no itchiness. And I found this really, really good. And best of all, you know, it's inexpensive too. <laughs> Later on, I learned it's not that inexpensive because I started filing up software and hardware. So, so that's, uh, that's the long and short of it. Okay. So I guess the, the next natural question then, right, would be um, you're into wet shaving. So how long before you want to give it a try yourself to start making the actual products? So, you know, I, uh, you know, because it's, I guess it's because of New York and the commute and all of that, you know, it's very, very stressful, um, you know, and of course I, I normally take the early morning trains, you know, I take my 6.30 train to New York City. 
and even at 6.30, it's crowded, it's packed. And when you land in, you know, in, in, in Penn Station, that's where I get off. You know, just the, the mass of crowd going in, or even if I take the train, let's say, to downtown, the subways, then the clanging and the noise and all that gets to you. And I wanted, and of course, you know, being um, working uh, in, a, in a job, it's also like, you know, you are subject to all kinds of pressures on the job. You know, you're always on calls. You're always, you know, available. And at one point of time, I had about, you know, three mobile phones, one from my personal phone when, and, you know, two from the clients. It was, it was not sustainable. The stress level was too much. And I found that, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I cook a lot. I am I'm a very, very good, you know, cook. I'm not a chef, but I can, you know, combine some ingredients and come up with some tasty food. And I found that I'm very, very good in doing that. And at the same time, just like how I was talking about slowing me down during shaving, I found this activity of, you know, um, you know, when, when I'm cooking, I, I found that I'm very, very calm, very uh, no stress, you know, and, and I found the same way, uh, you know, making a, let's say a soap or a, or a lotion or whatever, it's all about combining ingredients in a certain ratio, applying some heat or applying some, you know, process, and then uh, what you get, the end product is, uh, you know, bigger than the sum of the parts. And I found that, you know, I'm not in front of a computer, no mobile phone, no tablet, no, nobody talking to me. And I found it very, very calming and very relaxing. And again, as I was saying about, you know, shaving, um, it, it all slowed me down and made me, you know, less stressful. And when, you know, when you come back from work or whatever, and I just started off that way, you know, and, and I have always, I'm always a tinkerer at heart. I want to take apart things. So again, you know, having used products from Amazon and whatnot, I found they are not that great. But then I, you know, discovered ingredients. I'm a big ingredient nerd. I read ingredients in food or everything, uh, backwards and forwards. So that started off the journey about, hey, what's in this uh, thing called soap? You know, how do you make that? You know, it's, it seems pretty straightforward and simple. So basically understanding the chemistry and the ratio of the ingredients and why certain things are there or not there and how it all interacts together, you know, basically your potassium salt or the sodium salt and how it all comes together as a uh, thing called the soap. Um, I found that very, very intriguing and learned, learned a little bit of the chemistry, talked to a few, uh, you know, cosmetic chemists and, and, and started. That's how the whole thing started. It, it calmed me down, basically, um, because I'm not in front of a computer all day. Um, you know, that was, this was back in 2010. And then I started doing a little bit of bath soaps. And finally, uh, I, I, you know, got into Reddit and boom, that's how this thing started. Awesome. Uh, I, just because I don't think we established this before, uh, you mentioned the commute into New York City. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're based out of New Jersey. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. I started in New Jersey, but, uh, you know, working in New York City for, I don't know, probably a long time now. So that's why I find it easy to go to New York and, you know, just be and come back in the evening kind of a thing. But the train ride is, can, can get you, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay in the first few years, but after that, you get this rut of, you know, getting up early in the morning, 5.30, park the car, you know, take the 6.15 train. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. Uh, one funny thing is, I think after having talked to a few different artisans who got into soap making, one common thread is that cooking aspect that you mentioned. And I mean, it makes sense because, and the fact, I, I love that you said that you're ingredient nerd, because I mean, I always thought that you really show, you know, uh, a level of attention and care to the ingredients that you use in your products. Um, I can only imagine you're cooking. So, so just indulge me here. Uh, what kind of foods do, what, what kind of foods do you cook? So I pick up random recipes from, I mean, this was early on. Um, now um, I, I do things on my own, but I pick up random recipes on the, on the web and, and try to come up with my own version. So because I understand the, the process really well, uh, I don't follow a recipe step by step. I don't say, okay, take 300 grams of this one and 200 grams of that now. But I kind of figure out this is the end taste I want to get. And, and also add some, the, you know, the, the, uh, the umami that they call it, you know, the, the, the mouthful, the, you know, the, the taste that you get in the mouth. And once, when, when I figure out the end product, the end goal or what I want to get, then I, then I kind of sort of reverse engineer the whole thing and come up with a recipe of my own. 
which keeps changing every time. Because I'll say, you know what, maybe add a little bit of turmeric, maybe add a little bit of that, um, you know, that spice that I got, you know, two days ago kind of thing. So it kind of changes. Um, but basically, you know, I take a recipe from the web, understand the mechanics of it, and then change a few things here and there and, and come up with my own. So to answer your question, the kind of food that I make is primarily, you know, most of the, the Middle Eastern stuff, you know, because I'm, I, I don't eat meat. But um, it's primarily around, you know, things like, you know, I can make hummus from scratch. I can make, you know, uh, Greek yogurt from scratch. That's easy. Um, again, I don't eat uh, too much of that. Um, I'm also a vegan. But, um, you know, Greek yogurt from scratch um, or, even, or even kefir grains uh, and, and make use, make kefir using the kefir grains. Then I make bread uh, with just four ingredients, basically what, you know, flour, water, salt and yeast. Um, so in, even in bread, you can do hundreds of different variations and, and, and come up with different varieties of bread, you know, change the flour, mix a little bit or change the, you know, um, or add something else to it instead mm -hmm. of these four other ingredients and you can make something with it. So those are some of the, and then of course I make lots and lots of salads, um, you know, all kinds of salads, I can whip it up and I also use something exotic ingredients, things like, you know, I use lemon peel. The, the, the peel of the skin, the skin of the lemon, the rind, I use that too, you know, mm -hmm. in, not, a, not a lot, but just to give a, give a kick in the, in the end product. Sure, sure. So uh, those, are, those are some of the things. Again, you know, it goes back to my comment about, you know, basically tinkering with things. So end product is, you know, this, this dish, okay, can I tinker with that and come up with something else? Yes. Like for instance, shakshuka, I can probably make it, a, you know, a dozen different ways on shakshuka. <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and, and feed my friends, basically. So sometimes, you know, for me and my, my wife, the family, I don't put the eggs, and I just make the, the shakshuka without the eggs, but, you know, friends are coming, I put the eggs, and boom, you get a different dish. <laughs> that, that's great. Uh, you mentioned, uh, and I'm curious, too, that uh, just as far as the types of eth ethnic foods that you cook, and if you don't mind me asking, what, what is your eth ethnic background? So I, I, I was born in India. I grew up in India. Then I came to the United States as a student. And then I just remained here. <laughs> um, got a job, got my, you know, uh, work permit, green card and citizen for the last, I don't know how many years now. But uh, basically, you know, family background is from India. I speak okay. five languages, I think. Yeah. Got it. A follow up question to that. So your background is Indian, but then because it sounds like you're a real tinkerer and you like, you know, you like to kind of make up your own recipes. So I'm guessing you're not only cooking Indian food. Is that right? You, you yeah, I mean, adventure. I don't really cook Indian food. Basically I don't cook Indian food uh, because, you know, it's like, you know, I've eaten that so many times. I don't feel like <laughs> doing it. So I just take a, a, I mean, literally any recipe, I just take it uh, from the, I mean, from somewhere and then tinker with it. Like for instance, the whole fermentation thing I'm learning now, you know, um, and, yeah, that's how I got into this whole zero and, and the, you know, cheese making and all of that. It's all the, I mean, it's all fermentation. So that's how I, we, I got into the whole donkey milk thing and then the, um, the buffalo and then of course the, uh, you know, the fermentation and to weigh all of that. Wow. So I learned fermentation just by doing it and, and tinkering with it. Well, that's good. I, I'm glad you, you were able to find an outlet, you know, from kind of the daily, the daily grind and then, really the wet shaving community has to benefit from, from, you know, from what you've got to dabble with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, very relaxing. I mean, I can, I mean, you and I understand this very well and the community of course understands this very well. When we shave, we are so much relaxed, you know, you're actually, you know, taking a lot of, you know, time and attention and, and, you know, doing a chore, doing something that was really, really a chore for, you know, millions of people people like you and me enjoy that time. It's like, you know, heaven, I'm, you know, at the end of each shave, I'm like, oh shit, this is done now. Uh, I'll wait for another 24 hours before I can shave again. <laughs> that feeling that you get. <laughs> That's so it, it's weird. I mean, people like you and me can relate to that statement, but you know, some, <laughs> somebody and I, I need to go into hiding. I can't even talk about this. Well, you and me, and then anyone watching or listening to this, yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll definitely appreciate that. Right. We will appreciate and enjoy this and we can relate to it, but not a third party. Yeah, so. it's, it, it takes a little bit of explanation. Before, yeah. Before. <laughs> the weirdos explanation, yes. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said about that, that Zen period, right? Or even like, it's, 
it's calming, it's quiet, it's meditative. And, you know, some people, you know, I think just like with yoga getting more popular or even just physical activity, I'm not a super sporty person, so I'm not finding my Zen during a hike or something, but, um, you know, the time in the bathroom often, if you have like little kids and, or like large families, it's time for yourself anyway, automatically. That's right. Well, you are in the bathroom anyway, you know, doing yeah. your thing, just do another five more minutes, 10 more minutes and doing the shave. So. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm still, I'm still amazed that it was through the fermentation stuff that that's how you, that's how you got into the donkey milk formula. That's correct. The, the fermentation really got me thinking into the, you know, how, why uh, or not the why the, the chemistry behind the um, denaturing of certain proteins and also some of the acids that, that comes out through the whey and other, other forms. And once you dive into the chemistry of all these different pieces coming out you know, separately, then you really understand, hey, you know what? Some of these things can be made use of in, the, in a soap formulation. So it's all about the ingredients and the, and the way these ingredients react with each other and or, you know, you know, work in a synergy, synergical fashion to give you the result that you, that you want. And that's how the whole thing about the donkey milk and the and the whey protein and all of that started. I mean, who? I mean, nobody has done whey protein in a soap. Um, and and if you really look at the chemical composition of all of these ingredients, some of them will really um, are uh, will give some benefits in a in a soap formulation. You know, at the same time, I cannot tinker. I cannot use too much of it because it'll it'll impede the lather uh, properties. So if you have you know too much of one thing, then the lather will be you know uh, will dissipate over or, you know, within a short period of time, and that we don't like that. So it's all about coming up you know kind of striking a balance or you know getting to a balance wherein my lather property is protected. At the same time, I have got some great post shave um, you know um, properties after the shave because at the end of it, you know if you really think about it, I think I said this in uh, even in Reddit AMA. The, the soap, um, you know, all the soap that we use, you know, if it is made with lye, it has got a high, high pH, super high pH, almost to the, you know, at 9 or 9.2, 9.5. That super high pH sitting on the skin for a long time, for about 10 minutes, you know, it can, it can get the skin inflamed. So how do I uh, get, get to the soap, and which will have a high pH, but at the same time provide some relief or calming effect, you know, post-shave? So it is, it's all a balance of these two, um, you know, uh, endres or these two properties that I need to take care of by mixing the ingredients in a certain way. And, and hopefully you will land up in a, in a sweet spot. It's, it's, it's really, it's a balancing act. Uh, as each, balancing act. Yeah. each ingredient you add, you're bumping up one property, but then that might be, yeah, like, like you said, like stabi- lather stability or... Yeah. What, so, so the so you're saying that that the donkey milk whey protein, that that's primarily for benefits of post shave, or, or or was it a, a different uh, different metric that it's affecting the soap? Um, I guess I guess the milk in general gives you a better um, property to the whole lathering, the creaminess, and of course the post shave, and then the whole um, you know decomposition of the milk into whey protein gives you another dimension in the post shave. So. And, and, and it's all because of the, the chemistry that goes in, right? You know, it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's not happening by magic. It, there's, there's a reason why, you know, the, the milk is getting separated into, into, the, into its cheese form and the whey protein and something else. And what are those, you know, individual components of those three? Once you study the chemistry and the chemical composition, then you can realize, you know what, I can take uh, a little bit of quantity of, you know, A, which is the whey protein and a little bit of the, let's say the milk and boom, what you get is a much better formulation in the form of the, the end product, which is the soap. I, I did this, you know, overnight. It took a long, long period of experimentation. And as I said, these things relaxes me and what I get out of that is a, is a great end product. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But after a lot of trial and error. Of course. The other thing you got me thinking about was because you know, you had used buffalo milk at one point too, and you mentioned cheese making. But then, does that mean you're making a bunch of cheese, but you're not eating it because cheese is not vegan? <laughs> yeah, 
That's exactly right. So okay. I got I got a bunch of cheese I can show you, uh, which I you know, I don't use it. Um, and that's my so, neighbor, that's so my neighbor comes and takes it. I just call him and just say, "Hey, oh. you, want, you want something? Yeah, he'll he'll come and take it. He'll literally pick up you know one one tall tub of it." <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So and also the the whole donkey milk cheese is not easy to make. It doesn't yeah. come together really well. So there's a lot of waste. Mm. I just either throw it away, and some of them I just give it to my neighbor, and they are all you know perfectly edible but I just don't eat it. And it's not like I can eat a lot because there's so much of production um, for the, for right. the soap. I need to have the formulations done. So, um, and I get left with a lot of, uh, you know, the byproduct, which is useful, but my neighbor gets it or my friends will take it or whatever. I mean, uh, you know, if you give me a few minutes, I can even show it to you. It's, it's like a, you know, a jar or not a jar. It's like a, you know, huge Tupperware kind of thing full of that. I, I would be interested in <laughs> I would be interested if you want to get it I, I will I, I think that'd be kind of cool to see because I, I don't think anyone's thinking that cheese yeah, is a byproduct of your soap okay I'm back okay well th- sorry, sorry to send you off <laughs> okay on the errand so this this is not the entire cheese that I have but uh, basically this is uh, one of them I don't know how, I don't know how you want me to show it no that, that I, <laughs> that's a yeah that's a big uh, oh my gosh yeah it's kind of crumbly um okay so this is one of them um man and then this is another one oh, sorry, that, that one was for the donkey milk or for the um that's which, for the water one? buffalo the water buffalo okay yeah this is more of the donkey milk um it's kind of uh, there's a little bit of whey in there so i cannot even tilt it so much but oh no that's okay so, so that was much more loose, like you're saying, kind of, uh, it doesn't quite come together. That's right. It, it doesn't come together really well. Um, so that's uh, number two. And this is my, my kefir culture that I'm doing. This is a little glass. Okay. So there is a kefir floating on top. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, yeah, so it takes about 24 hours for the kefir to farm. And then I just give it to my neighbor. And that's another, you know, tinkering that I'm doing with kefir. In okay. Grains. I mean, this is more of a test batch. This yeah. one, but it's just one glass. Yeah. So I do a lot of these things. You know, basically tinker with it. You know, and try to understand the the whole chemistry behind it. And yeah. And some of it I end up using in the soap. Some of it I throw away. Some of it I you know give it to my friends and family and neighbors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, all the work for Holy Cow, you're still doing that as a side project, is that correct? So it, it is a side project, but it, it, uh, it was not as side uh, as it started. And, and started, it was a really, really a side project. You know, you basically do one batch in, in two weeks and, you know, and you basically, you know, ignore it, right? But it was growing unbeknownst to me because of word of mouth and, you know, being a good product. You know, we are proud of what we do. And because it was growing and it was self-sustaining, I had to pay attention, you know, you know, probably in one year into it, you know, when I started as a hobby, started paying attention and uh, it was growing and growing. And, and I said, I need to spend more time on, on WK than what I was doing before. So I started spending more time back in 2015. And that's when I got the donkey mill formulation also. And from there, you know, I'm spending probably about, you know, 80 percent of my time on WK, you know, it's, and also added people, it's not just me doing alone. So we got about uh, four, I think, um, well, five FTEs. So some of them are part-time, they're not here full-time. 
So using the you know um, additional help, I could do more. And of course, you know, fulfillment is there, both retail and wholesale. And initially, again, we were lagging behind on wholesale, but uh, over the last probably about 18 months or so, we are all caught up. You know, we are you know on top of it. I won't say caught up. There's no more delays on the wholesale. You know, people like Maggots and West Coast are happy. Okay. But um, um, it, it was a side project that uh, turned into a business. So a lot of the issues, you know, that I see personally and also, you know, the community sees are all because that, oh, yeah, it's a side project. I don't have to do anything with it. But then it turned into a you know, business. And that's where um, the evolution took a turn. The inflection point really, you know, started happening sometime around, I would say, 2015. Then the whole donkey milk happened and, uh, and that's how we are now. You know, bread making, cheese making, fermentation, and of course, WK stuff, the entire chemistry behind lotions and emulsions and bombs. You know, the bombs really got us into mixing of oil and water because oil and water don't mix. So you got to have a binding agent or an emulsifier. How do we get that? And the emulsifier should not, you know, it should hold together for, a, for let's say 12 months, 24 months. How do we get that ratio right? You know, that got me thinking about the whole, what they call the emulsions. Talked to a bunch of cosmetic chemists, took a bunch of help from a lab, wherein, you know, we basically get the lab to make it for us. Mm -hmm. um, so they would do it a better job than what I can do because they, they've been doing this for the last, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus years. So those are all the, the chemistry that I started learning. And, mm. uh, and of course, the, the lab helped us a lot in getting us up and going on the entire emulsion process. So the, the bomb, because it's, you know, oils and water and some active ingredients and preservatives, we found that, you know, yeah, you can do now skincare. Why? Because skincare, if you really look at any, any kind of, you know, a skincare product, you know, let's say from L'Oreal or Estee Lauder, is basically, you know, if it's a cream, is basically oil, I mean, it's water first, then some base oils, and then active ingredients, you know, that are, that have got some backing in terms of science for, you know, things like, let's say, anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, dark circle reduction, and so on. And then, of course, because it contains water, you need a preservative. And because it's an oil and water mixture, you need an emulsifier, which basically emulsifies the whole thing, or, you know, makes it, uh, you know, as one product. And that doesn't separate. And uh, that got into that got me into thinking about hey why don't you do skincare wherein you know one of the active ingredients or maybe two can get you the benefit which is proven by the way I'm not making this up wherein the benefit is you know uh, lightening the skin or you know reducing pigmentation on the skin or things like you know reducing uh, wrinkles on the skin or slowing down the process of aging I won't say you know I will look 18 again. <laughs> but more like, you know, slowing down the process of aging, right? It's all about mm -hmm. slowing it down. So that's how we got into the whole skincare game. So again, we cannot do it at scale um, in, in, my, in my location, in my facility. So I had to take it outside to a lab. So a bunch of meetings, back and forth meetings with the labs and uh, ingredient experts to figure out what needs to go in at what levels. And then coming with several prototypes, you know, testing the prototype, you know, putting it through stability testing, challenge testing, micro challenge, how long will it last? So it, it takes a long time to get to an, a finished product or a commercial version. Mm -hmm. But the whole process is very, very, you know, it's a huge learning process for me. You know, now if I understand these five or six components, the oil and the water and the preservatives and the active ingredient and the emulsifier, I can, you know, take out one, just like the cooking part, you know, take out one ingredient, active ingredient, which for, you know, dark circle reduction under the eye, and I can turn it into something for, you know, wrinkle reduction on the cheeks or on the, on the neck or, you know, for the women on the, you know, um, breast area or whatever. So you could do lots and lots of combinations to get to a benefit, to get to a claim, and the claim needs to be substantiated with a specific ingredient that will give you that claim. And and for the for the um, and luckily I found the cosmetic chemists that I work with and the ingredient makers that I, we work with we have you know relationship with them they give us um, um, all the documentation on the ingredient itself that the documentation will include not just the marketing spiel but also the technical documentation which will show you in vivo test results in vivo test results. Um, then the uh, in vitro test results within the lab, 
then the before um, um, you know before and after pictures you know before applying the cream after applying the cream comparison of the cream uh, with a the placebo then the day zero versus day 28 results um, all kinds of 16 different certifications all given to you for free you know it, it, I get a distinct sort of stack of documentation electronic or paper that comes with the ingredient and they say yeah this is what our, we tested that's why we are calling it an anti-aging ingredient right so so there is a claim on there's science behind why you know this ingredient let's say from argan oil is good for the skin and is backed up by the the research and and these are people you know phds they are not you know just you know fly by night operators phds and uh, and they give you all the documentation and and the results and they say go use it so it's almost like you know adding a little piece of let's say some exotic pepper that you found in in, a, in some part of the world and you add it to your dish and boom, the dish takes on a different flavor. <laughs> Same thing um, for, for these skincare products. So that's how we got, whole got into the skincare line and, uh, and with the help of the labs, I mean, we can come up with you know, 10, 20 different products anytime, that's easy. I just need to have the time and the resources to do that. Right, right. I mean, I was going to ask you about like with regulation and certification and stuff like that. But I mean, if, if the lab that you're working with is already testing for and kind of providing that documentation, I'm guessing that takes a big, you know, chunk of stress out on your part. Uh, otherwise, you, you would have to potentially what take the finished product and then do that testing on your own to receive. That's right. Those that's claims, right. right? Yeah, so that's uh, that's one part. The other part is also, you know, it gives me the ability to tweak some of the ingredients because when you talk to a lab, they will only want to give you the off-the-shelf uh, formulation, you know, something ready to go. Um, and of course, a lot of them will be cheap ingredients. You know, it doesn't do anything. So we would uh, want to tweak that formulation, number one, remove this, add this, increase this kind of a thing, modify this or remove parabens and whatnot. And once you do that, what you get is a very, very unique formulation that is only developed for you, for, for us. And mm. then the end product will also be unique. It will be our differentiating factor in the, in the market. Um, it will be very, very hard to find a very similar product or the exact same thing um, in the market because we don't do the same things in the, in the, at the same levels and with the same different set of ingredients. So there's a lot of benefits to that in getting to know, like for instance, we are developing a hair care line for the hair, uh, which is very, very different from the existing products in the market. You know, I can do shampoo, conditioner, uh, also, you know, for the beard, for the hair, you know, things mm. like hair mask, all kinds of things we can do based on the uh, differentiated set of ingredients that we are able to procure from global suppliers. Mm -hmm. And these are, you know, they are not uh, small-time supplies. They cater to the big guys. They still order on the L'Oreal. Um, the the problem with working with these uh, big names, still order on L'Oreal or any of the big names, is they have a long pipeline. You know, because you know they will say, you know, send hundred different samples. It needs to go to China. It needs to go to Japan. You know, global regulation. Things move slowly, big bureaucracy inside these big companies. Um, by the time the ingredient is approved and, you know, they buy large quantities, it'll probably take them through three years. But oh. as with us, you know, we can turn around really, really quickly. I mean, um, you know, we are still small really quickly. So the suppliers give us a lot of um, support and help and, and, of course, technical help in terms of coming up with the formulation. They are always on phone, on conference calls, and uh, they give us credit terms and and that's how we we can do things faster cheaper better i see well so you mentioned like like a hair you know, hair care products or beard care were, were those like hypothetical or are, are those actually things that um that are already kind of you're testing and and wanting to bring to market so we're already testing that on the, the hair care one of them is actually um probably should be ready in the next probably four weeks or so Oh, well, wow. um, yeah. So it contains uh, a lot of good ingredients for the hair. It's called the growth factors, you know. Um, and for the hair, it's called the keratin. So I think it is called the keratin growth factors or something like that. It's got polypeptides. It's got macaroot. It's got uh, caffeine and biotin and all of that for the healthy growth of the hair and to reduce grayness. 
and it's been tested. Um, you know, we got the documentation, we got the test results, before after pictures, it's all there. And what we want to do is to put it all in a, in a publicly available site or publicly available platform. Like, you know, the, the way it's designed now, the product label will have a QR code. So basically you take your phone and hover your phone on the QR code and boom, this opens up and tells you everything about the key ingredients, why it is there, what benefits it will provide you. And then the rest of them is like, you know, you all have to hold it all together. So you need water and the oils and all of that. And of course the preservatives. Mm. But the key seeker sauce is these, you know, six or seven ingredients that work together to get you um, the goal of, you know, better hair. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. So then I guess, do you see it as like a new branch of, of Holy Cow or it's, like, it's an expansion of a certain one? Yeah, it's, it's more of an expansion um, coming up with another line or another, um, you, know, um, you know, things that we can do for the skin and the hair. Um, and also, you know, a lot of these, if you really look at these, in some of these products, like a, let's say a shampoo or a conditioner, it this does not undergone much innovation over the last forty years or or even more right is shampoo is a shampoo, probably the reduced sulfates maybe, but the shampoo is still you know they are not made much innovation except you know changing the packaging or a better brand or whatever it is right mm-hmm. so but there are in in the in the ingredient space um if you talk to the ingredient manufacturer and the people who understand the chemistry and the science they have better ingredients than what they had you know 40 50 years ago so why why did you you know why don't you take some of that and incorporate that into a, a shampoo or a, or a conditioner and come up with a better shampoo you know uh, are we going to compete with the uh, the big names uh, in uh, in cosmetics no we are not we we are not going to compete but we can make a you know we can convince somebody like you to say hey here's a better shampoo uh, that contains, let's say, ingredient from maca root that has proven uh, results in better hair or longer hair or whatever. Um, so we could do that um, very easy, very, very easily because the shampoo formulation is pretty straightforward, which is why it does not gone, undergone a change. And, and, and the consumer doesn't really know that, you know, they are getting a probably suboptimal product because the innovation hasn't caught up and innovation hasn't happened yet in, in, in these products. You know, if you take your, take your phone, you know, you buy a phone, let's say today, six months later is obsolete, right? Because the technology keeps changing, you know, there's right. a faster, better, you know, brighter picture or whatever, or more memory in the phone. These things don't happen in the cosmetics world. They remain the same. Better packaging, yes. You know, better bottles, yes. Better display, yes. You know, you get dazzled by the display, but you don't even know what you're buying, right? That's how we are all, huh? because the consumers are not really aware of what we are buying um you know it's very very um the the opposite is the case with food because when you buy a, a cereal bar or a protein bar it tells you exactly what it contains the ingredients you know the oils and the water and the and the sugar and the salt and the all of that it also gives you a nutrition panel containing how much sugar it has got how much oil it has got mm-hmm. all of it then it also tells you the certification. It's vegan, kosher, halal, sustainable, organic, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can also make a connection because, you know, it, when it says high fiber and it, the first ingredient is, let's say, oatmeal, you can make the connection between high fiber and oatmeal, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas in cosmetics or including, you know, even shave soaps, you can, I mean, shave soaps, you know it, but that's how, you know, you can make the connection. Oh, yeah, it's got cocoa butter, therefore it's good for me. But any other skincare product or makeup or cosmetic, nothing. We don't know what we are buying because the ingredients are all inky names. It's in Latin, you know, they are not straightforward English. Right. And nobody tells you, oh, because God, let's say turmeric, therefore it will give you better skin. <laughs> we don't know what we are buying. That's, that's the issue. It's, uh, you know, the, the supplier has got all the, inf- the seller has got all the information. The buyer has got very little information. Mm. Whereas in food, you know, you're kind of on an even platform, you know, you have, you know what you're buying, you can make an informed buying decision. But the same you, you know, in Whole Foods, you walk into, you know, makeup, you know, skincare cosmetics and buy something for your wife. You have no idea what you, what we are buying, right? So yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the issue that we are trying to solve. So being an ingredient nerd, I mean, all of us, right? We have four people who are deeply, deeply into ingredients. We, you know, read it backwards and forwards. 
So that's how we got into, okay, let's understand what's in it and why this thing is good for the skin. Why this will give me better hair, better skin, better whatever. So that why will get you into the ingredients. I don't know if, if you know, you've projected this far, but like in four or five years, right, for holy cow, what do you think the different lines that you offer, like what, what could that look like? So um, the, before I answer that question, I would like to touch upon one thing. Um, oh, sure. This is, this is something that we've been seeing uh, over the past, let's say, two, two and a half years. Um, I think that's also part of the, um, the you know, um, the stuff that we want to talk about is about, you know, um, is the wet shaving market expanding, right? Yeah. So um, what what I'm seeing the last, let's say, two and a half years or more, there is a, you know, a huge influx of new names in our customer database. And these new names, you know, we don't find them in forums. You know, I cannot uh, um, associate an SOTD shave of the day post with the purchase that was made two weeks ago. So there is a huge disconnect about this person bought this much of, you know, X number of products, but there's no sign of this in any forum in, you know, Facebook or Reddit or anywhere else. Right. So where is this person? So that's, and of course, you know, he or she doesn't buy every, every release. So you kind of know this new person was coming. And then of course, you know, six months later, there's another purchase happening. So there are lots and lots of these new names that's been happening or that's coming to us. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's happening in most of the vendors. And, and so that gives me hope or that gives me some signals that the market is expanding. You know, it's not the Jonathan Say or the Jared coming and buying, but some, some dude or some, some lady is sitting somewhere who's buying and then he or she makes another purchase after six months. So it's not the hobbies, but probably somebody new, somebody jumping into from creams or whatever it is, you know, based on word of mouth or wherever they saw it from. So that gives us hope that the market is expanding. That's number one. And going back to your question about, you know, where do we, where do we see where, where we are going? So yeah, so we are uh, getting into skincare in a big way because of the, you know, the whole uh, understanding of the chemistry aspect and why it is these products are uh, good for us. Um, because I use it a lot. I mean, I, if I show you my um, in my my countertop, you will probably. I mean, there are about fifty products in there <laughs> that I test every single day. Well, not every single day, but I do a rotation. So, so we are we'll be getting into hair care. We'll be getting into skin care. Um, the other thing that um, um, again, due to the ingredient suppliers, they are also asking us to look at nutrition. Uh, for instance, in a hyaluronic acid, which we use in our toner. So hyaluronic acid is actually a component of our skin. It is there, you know, it's a natural ingredient in our skin. And you are just supplementing it externally from, uh, you know, using a skincare product. So in our toner, we add hyaluronic acid. The same hyaluronic acid, you can also use it as a supplement. It's a food grade uh, ingredient. So the, what we use in our product is a cosmetic grade. Uh, one level above is the food grade and, you know, mm. 10 levels above is the pharma grade, you know, what they use in, in hospitals or, you know, in reconstructive surgery for, let's say, plastic surgery. So they, the manufacturers say, hey, I got a better grade of your HA, hyaluronic acid, uh, but it's used for nutrition, like in a pill or a, you know, a whey protein powder or whatever it is. Do you want to take a look at it? So again, you know, the same process is going on in terms of looking at, okay, HA, can I incorporate that into a, a nutritional supplement and what are the benefits that will give me? You know, some, the other one is uh, something called GABA, G-A-B-A. So G-A-B-A or GABA is basically your, it's called the gamma amino butyric acid. It's from, you know, if you melt the cheese or not the cheese, um, the clarified butter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard of clarified butter. If you, mm -hmm. if the clarified butter is mostly, um, GABA because you know a lot of the um, milk stuff has been you know evaporated away or or be taken out using heat. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly uh, GABA and GABA is really really good for the skin too. Um, okay. And of course you know the nutrition grade or the food grade GABA is good for the gut, um, the gut health and of course probiotics uh, that's also available. So a lot of these things are you know I'm still exploring and it's a one man show for on the nutrition side I'm just learning. But um, you could probably see us going there too. But maybe it's a different brand, you know. <laughs> right, right. So those wow. are you know skincare, hair care, 
nutritionism maybe i'm 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 just playing around but um that's those are some and of course women's skincare is easy because if you can do men you know you can easily do women's too that's easy first first i would say i'm glad to hear based on you know uh, kind of what you're seeing coming in through wk that there are wet shavers. In fact, you know, like, like you said, they're not just the same people already in the community further buying stuff. But uh, I think that's kind of like, you know, your average hobbyist doesn't have access to, to that information because I, I see it debated all the time. Like there's no new way for wet shavers to come in. And it's, it's kind of, it's a feeling, right? But then if, if, if you see, you know, Joe Smith come in out of nowhere and, and you've never seen him on, you know, Facebook groups or Reddit or what, whatever. That's a that's a good sign. I mean, it, maybe as wet shaving is normalized, your average person isn't taking a shave of the day photo, whatever. They may be in in these forums, but as a lurker or you know, they, right? You know, maybe in Reddit because Reddit is you know totally anonymous. I don't even know they are there, but they may be lurking. But they don't yeah. post anything, and you know I cannot. Oh yeah, there's a purchase that was made two weeks ago, and this person is posting. Therefore, you know it has to be the same. I can't make that a jump or you know assumption. Yeah. Um, but uh, that gives us a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of hope in terms of saying, hey, this thing is growing and growing and growing. And you know, and of course the hobbies are still there. The repeat customers keep coming back. You know, if I see a Jonathan placing on, oh, I know it's him. <laughs> but, yeah. But the, the new uh, people or, you know, people who are not in any of the forums, that gives me a lot of hope and that the market is growing. Do you see there's any like bleed over as far as folks that are picking up your shaving products uh, to skincare or are they really kind of two totally different markets? Um, I would say there is there is a uh, there are some people who buy the skincare too who are also wet shavers um, because the more they understand the um, importance of being well groomed um, they also think oh yeah you know what I need to buy this deodorant or I need to buy this skincare product whatever because at the end of the day you know um, this is my standard advice to everyone you know including to myself that you know we all need to wear sunscreen you know. You know, no matter what you do, even if I grow a beard, I don't shave, I have to wear my sunscreen. <laughs> SPF 30 is what I use. Um, so from sunscreen, you can easily make the leap into, okay, let me try a different uh, cleanser for my face. At the end of the day, I think I told you, shave soaps or even soaps in general, the, the pH is super high at 9.2 or 9.5. That is not really good for the skin on the face because, you know, skin on the face is, um, is different than the body, the body skin. So, you know, the wet shaver will say, you know what, I need to use a, a milder cleanser than a, a, than a soap, you know, a soap cake or a bar. Um, so that's another thing that we are seeing when people are actually going into better um face care products, um, including the serum that we have put out about you know, two, three years ago. It's doing very well. So there are, there is, you know, people who buy that. And then there, of course, you know, people, I don't even see them placing an order for the, the, the shaving stuff. So they're, they're going straight, they're going straight for the skincare products. Yes. Yeah. Including some, you know, women's names we find and, you know, they place an order once in three months, four months kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So well, that, 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 I mean, that's, that's really exciting to hear kind of like what, what's there, what's coming in a few weeks. And then obviously you're set up kind of, you know, to, to continue tinkering and, and really continue growing that line. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Um, so all about, you know, finding what works best for us, uh, best for the skin, best for the body. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things, you know, it's all brand new things like, you know, probiotics or microbiome or, gut health, you know, why kefir, you know, what, what's the benefit of drinking kefir? You know, again, the fermentation takes you in a different direction uh, into, let's say, nutrition or whatever. <laughs> gotcha. There's, and there's a lot of talent, you know, the, the, the good part is that there's a lot of, um, you know, knowledge base that is outside. You just need to know how to tap into it. And once you tap into it, the whole world opens. I mean, there's a different world that's opening up for me. It's like, what? I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> Yeah. Like, for instance, you know, we are working with them. Um, I mean, I can share the details. It's still under NDA. We are working with, the, let me call them PhDs, you know, scientists. 
um, their only focus is around plant biology. You know, everything that is coming from the plants, how do I put it into skincare? And the simplest you know, example is that, you know, uh, plants, unlike human beings, are not mobile, right? They, they cannot come inside the house when it is too cold outside. You know, they are exposed to the extremes of the weather. They are exposed to the extremes of everything, you know, um, all the insects and, and the birds and the bees and everything. How do they survive in the wild? Um, you know, they get buried by snow during this time. Well, we don't have snow, but during winter. <laughs> Um, but come, you know, April, May, the snow is all gone and this thing starts blooming again. You know, it's, it's also grown a few inches taller. How did that happen? You know, mm. um, whereas you and me, when we go out, we need protection. So the, this bunch of people, and as I said, I cannot tell you the name of the uh, organization. They are all devoted to understanding and researching how come plants and, you know, things outside can survive better than human beings. And it's all because the, the nutrients and everything else that they have right from the seed and the, and the, and the leaves and the twigs and the, and the bark and, every, and the flowers and getting, getting that and putting into nutrition and skincare. So, so I do see a trend kind of the holy cows kind of going towards uh, a more kind of a luxury line, a premium line. Would that, would that be correct? Or would you say that kind of there, there are other options, obviously, between soap bases within holy cow um, do you foresee that kind of just running parallel with one another? Well, first, uh, let me answer um, the premium luxury line, right? Um, you know, premium luxury line is what the market is perceiving us, but um, it's really because of the expensive ingredients that we put in. I mean, you, I showed you the, the cheese and all the other, you know, paraphernalia, right? Basically, by using fermentation techniques that we had developed. These things, number one, they are expensive. You know, the, the coagulant that we use for the donkey milk, I mean, I can't get it in, in the United States. I had import it. Then number two is the um, other expensive ingredients, water buffalo milk, for instance. You know, if I, if I buy water buffalo milk, people think I'm buying for the cheese, and that's what I want them to believe because that, and then I can get it at a lower price point. And, of course, I don't get it, you know, year-round. It's, you know, I have to, you know, beg, borrow, and steal and, and get it out. Um, so it's because the expensive ingredients, and of course, you know, we also added the flaxseed uh, derivatives into it. Uh, to, and, and all of these are expensive, number one. Number two, you know, you had to buy in quantity, uh, like, you know, I cannot buy a kilo of flaxseed. I had to buy in, in huge quantities and that locks up money. So there's a lot of, you know, um, expensive stuff that is going into it. And of course, the price point, you know, slowly creeps up. That's number one. The other thing that I'm, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of this, uh, you know, price point issue. And what we are now doing is that I'm experimenting with uh, plant milks, you know, like uh, almond milk or uh, quinoa milk and whatnot, and trying to get to the same um, profile of a, let's say, a donkey milk or a water buffalo milk. Um, I, I don't think I'll be able to make the cheese out of it, but basically trying to get to the uh, same kind of, um, you know, ingredient or the chemical profile using a plant-based milk, which will be much, much cheaper and much more, um, you know, reliable from a supply chain standpoint in terms of getting it whenever I want. So that will probably get me, uh, get my vegan base, um, you know, because it's plant-based, I can easily, you know, upgrade the vegan base and get it up to the, the donkey milk base and get to a much lower price point than, than the Sierra base. Definitely. That's one option that we have. The other option is, of course, you know, um, again, working with cosmetic chemist, you know, to add some things like, let's say, antioxidants or things, you know, other ingredients that uh, we are still researching that can actually get to a, a lower price point, but at the same performance level like the zero. I feel like, you know, in time, like, or, or just given education. And that, that was one of the things I, forget, I think I included in there that, not just for skincare, right, but for wet shavers, for customers in general. Um, I, I just wonder, are there any, any good sources and stuff where you feel like people should be educating themselves? So we're talking about ingredients, reading the labels, what's in stuff. And I think you've, you've done, uh, you know, a, a great job just clearing up, hey, what is, you know, what's going into the cereal base? And I think that that development period is something that people don't think about where, you're working with these ingredients. It's not like you did version one and then bam, <laughs> we have it. We, 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 we've done it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the, I wish the aha moment comes in, all right, on version 1.0. One, yeah, well, two, maybe two, version two. <laughs> yeah, you're done. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. That's a wrap. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of education, but the thing is, you know, um, I, I mean, I can, I can talk like a, in, a, in a forum like this or a podcast like this for, you know, for a long time, but when the person is making the purchasing decision, you know, he or she is not thinking about the, the whole R&D process that went into it um, because they only look at the price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, as you know, people like you and others have experienced that, you know, the, the performance probably is maybe worth it. You know, um, some people will say no, but, you know, most of the people that we have heard, you know, they say, yes, the performance is worth the price that I paid. Um, but that's because of the, the whole R&D thing and is, is the whole formulation thing, you know, just getting this guy ready. <laughs> that I mean, this is not the product that, is, this is not the ingredient that is used in the soap, but the byproduct of this is what is used in the soap. But this guy takes time, you know, it's, it's not easy to come up. And all of this is, you know, it's trial and error happening. And, you know, once I, once I perfect the formulation, then I had to train my people, hey, do it this way. There's, there's a training that needs to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, you know, it's not like it will happen overnight. These things take time. <laughs> oh, you know, one thing we didn't touch upon, and I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, right? But uh, as far as the, the sense in, in Holy Cow's line, I'm curious because, you know, avid cooker, you know, you, you love tinkering. So what are uh, some of the inspirations or how do you come up with the scents that wind up in the soaps and aftershaves? So again, um, um, you know, I'm not a perfumer. Um, I'm not an expert in perfumery. So I do work with a lot of um, people who are in this industry for the last, I don't know, probably, you know, again, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, again, I tap into the people who are kind of like, you know, done this before and they have some spare time to consult, you know, and uh, we pay them, you know, per hour for their time. And so we talk to them, figure out what are the different things that we can do and then come up with our own scent blend or get it done outside um, through this perfumer network. Um, so we give them teams, we give them say, okay, you know, help me with a summer scent for 2020 or, you know, a winter for 2020. Or we say, hey, uh, there's a commemoration series that we put out using David Bowie so one guy said, oh, yeah, we can do this. Um, and why? So, you know, there's a, there's a team behind it. And that's how we started doing this. And, you know, I only started doing this in the last probably about, you know, 18, 20 months or, you know, two years. Um, and the perfume and network really, really helped us in getting, uh, you know, this thing at least or getting better uh, send blends. Um, using certain themes and certain inspirations that we have. And that's how we came about. Uh, I try to limit the use of pre-blends. You know, I'm, I haven't done any too much of, or I haven't done any pre-blend wherein you just buy it off of like a, a dupe of, let's say, you know, Creed Aventus and do it. Sure. And a lot of people have asked me to do it, but uh, I tend to say no to that. Um, but we just come up with our own and say, hey, here's something that uh, we think it'll be, It'll be liked by the community and it's inspiration from some of the famous perfumes, but not really a dupe kind of thing. Right. I claim, yeah, this, this thing is a dupe of, you know, Creed Aventus, even because we, we, I, I don't do it. I'm, <laughs> right. Right. You want to at least, at the very least, put your own spin on, yes. on it, if not a, a variation on a theme, right? That's right. It's the same, you know, philosophy that I told you right from the start of this conversation about the whole cooking part, right? You know, right. in the sadziki, don't put dill, put something else. So why? Just because of my nature. <laughs> Not that I don't like dill. So, right. But you want to do you you want to put your own spin on it, and and That's right. yeah, That's right. I, that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned the the David Bowie. Uh, so for for that one though, was it like as was it just as simple as like, hey, there's a commemorative soap with David Bowie run with it or did you have like in your mind like oh I you know like it should be a warm scent yeah, or it should be a winter it, you know like how much how prescriptive was that process yeah so and um, of course I don't just give a blanket statement saying David Bowie <laughs> and uh, go do it but yeah there's some broad guidelines too 
about what kind of send notes you need to have. So one of the things that we insist is that, you know, the, the people who are doing this, they don't really know about the soap side of it because they think it's for perfume. Okay. I mean, they know, but, you know, in their mind, it's all perfume. So sure. they don't really know, they understand the chemistry of the soap making. So I need, I need to tell them, look, I need to have something that has got staying power in a soap batter. Um, that that requires lots and lots of conversation and explanation because they would not understand what is what is so why are you insisting on why is that important? So we need to educate them. Number one. Um, so in addition to the broad parameter of it, say okay, just do a David Bowie. I need to tell them you know it needs to have you know strength and staying power in the soap. Mm-hmm. Two, it needs to have these specific notes. Um, the base notes uh, we are very very particular. And and the base notes will help us anchor the the top notes a little bit, um, and then we also changed uh, some of the processes to um, to do the uh, the anchoring of the scent. Um, so those are some of the uh, specific guidelines that we give them, and that's how um, the whole thing gets some you know uh, life into it from our plain words. <laughs> It's always it's always great to kind of get a, a peek behind that process because especially because you know I, I'm interested in the scent the scent side of things. That's kind of the, for me the shaving experience. Besides that time to yourself is just experiencing the scent during that period of the shave, right? Yeah. So you know you, you get everything from inspiration where it could just be like, hey, I want I, I love this cologne, you know, duplicate it or do your own spin on it. Versus you know like this is the memory from my childhood. And, you know, like the, the time and care it takes to recreate whatever that might be, a place, uh, it could be a, a particular food, right? C- certain things just like trigger that. So w- would you identify any of the current, re- <clears throat> sorry, current or past releases where there's some deeply like kind of personal story behind that scent? Um, actually, I had one, but it was never released. So um, I, um, you know, my grandfather died. I was very, very, I mean, I was, I was brought up by my grandfather. So he was a wet shower. At that time, I didn't know that he was a wet shower. I, all I see is, you know, he uses this contraption <laughs> that looks uh, weird compared to my modern looking, you know, uh, cartridge, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, he died. Um, and then I started uh, looking for his set and you know, nobody knew where it was. And finally, my his son, that is my uncle, my mother's brother, he found it and he said, hey, this is your grandfather's set. And I have it, uh, that's what I use. It's a uh, Gillette double-edge. I don't remember the, the model, but I use that in, in my rotation. And in that uh, set that, that my uncle found was, he had a you know, piece of soap, you know, it was a round. And of course it's been used and that had a nice scent and reminded me of my grandfather. I tried to do it. I couldn't get close to it. Then I put it on the back burner. Then again, went back to it probably about a year later. And for some reason, I never brought it in the market. Um, you know, um, that was one of the things that is very, very close to me. Um, I do have, I, do, I did make one uh, small batch for myself. And that's what I use um, if I'm not testing any other soap. But uh, that is very, very close to me because of my, you know, uh, my connection to my grandfather. It takes me back to the days when he was shaving and I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, that is one thing. But there's nothing else that uh, that has got my childhood memory or anything like that. But the only thing that I have is the one that is not released. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's that's a really special, special yeah. piece to have in your in your rotation. Yes, it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have the scent blend, so I can make it again. But thing is, you know, um, I'm in two minds whether to make money off of it. You know, it's like, mm, yes, I don't know. It, it, right. It, it, could, it, it would totally be worthwhile just to keep that like, within the family, right? It, yeah. it, it, it's for you. It's, it's not for someone to review. <laughs> or, <laughs> no, I mean, but, but really, it's, because it's, it's like, this is not for you to, re- this is for you, for your memory, yes. to, 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 to honor your grandfather. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. But I, I, re- I really do want to thank you and appreciate your time. I feel like I've also kind of been thoroughly educated <laughs> in just <laughs> ingredients in general, even like not just the shaving, obviously, in, in skincare. It, it, it's something that I, I feel like I kind of care about. And I, I hope kind of with more 
whether you call it education or just people talking about it, yeah. I, I, I think these are good things to have out there for, especially for men to kind of, you know, step up their game a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But thank you. Um, you know, it's very, very, um, you know, it's also, you know, it takes me back to my own story and forces me to, you know, touch upon certain aspects that I don't really talk about it because we are just doing, 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 as opposed to, you know, talking to somebody external. So that forced me to, actually, you know, I, I wrote down a lot of these points um, in a Google Doc and uh, rehearsed it a little bit so that I'm prepared to touch upon that. But uh, it forced me to explain things in a much more concise fashion to somebody like you and, of course, for the audience, for the people who are listening to your um, podcast. Yeah, there's a lot of information. And like you said, especially among skincare, where it's not readily available unless you kind of actively poke around for it. So I do, I do hope, um, you know, listeners and watchers at home um, did come away with a little bit more information. And I do, yeah, thank you for the time that you put in. It's all available. You know, feel free to research, ask me questions. I'm here. So whenever. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Sri. Thank you. Thank you, John. Say hi to Jared. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Lather Talk. You can find all the associated links for Holy Cow in the show notes. If you have any questions or suggestions about the show, you can get in touch with us via email, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. If you enjoyed the episode and want to help support the show, you can share, subscribe, or even better, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that more wet shavers can discover us. We hope you'll join us for next week's episode where we'll have an interview with Douglas Smythe and Fran Towell of Phoenix Artisan Accoutrements. See you then!